this morning, especially after Greg just shared what he shared. Luke 18, 35. We'll start there. The very last line that we're going to read today, so we'll actually go into Luke 19, is, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. I love that. I love it so much. I love that that's God's character, as Greg was saying. That's his desire. How are the lost seeked and saved now? Who does God use? Who are we? We're his body, right? And if there are people, there are, there are men, there are women, there are children who are, who are gone, who just feel away from home, how do they come into the house and the family? Who does God use? He uses us. He uses us, so it really ties in to really gather well, I think, with what I, it's on my heart to share this morning. Because um, it's so exciting. I think that if I asked anyone here who wants to see lost people come home, who wants to see lost people saved, I'm sure that almost everybody in here would probably raise their hand like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. Um, I would love to see that happen. Then if I were to say, hey, guys, let's go evangelize after church, how many would be excited about that? Yeah? Hey, how about that? <laughs> then if I said, how many would go evangelize after church and be excited about it? It might be even less, right? Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I guess I'll do it. I mean, I want to go reach lost people. I use the term evangelize because I think that the way that we look at that term, by the way, it means uh, someone who gives good news or reward for those who gives good news. I think when we hear that, sometimes it makes us cringe because of the way we've seen it done. The way we've seen, like, there's this good news, and I think all of us, almost everyone in this room is like, yes, we want to share this good news. Yes, we want to see lost people come into the kingdom, and yet we've seen forms of it where it freezes us up and it makes us scared, and maybe it's because not even really a good way. It's actually, most of the time I've tried some of these ways, it's not been very effective. So this morning, I've just been thinking about that this week, and then something really cool happened. I'll probably share it later uh, this week, and it kind of confirmed that God just wanted us to share some things. I want to look at the way Jesus reached lost people. Like, how did he interact with them? I think we've gotten to the point, you know, to where, I think I've shared this before, but if we've been a Christian for two years, then we have to, like, be retaught how to engage lost people because we've been in such a Christian bubble for such a long time. We're like, I don't know. Has anybody ever felt like that? Like, if you're just being honest, like, I don't even know how to talk to lost people. Like, if I say this, they're going to say this, and, and then I feel like I'm trying to arm twist them or convince them to do things. I, haven't, I don't have the permission just to love them and see what happens, you know? I feel like there's a wall. You ever do that? You ever just feel like there's a wall, and whether there is or not? Like, you're just like, I'm just nervous about it. Because if it comes up that I'm a Christian, then now here we go. You know, it's just all this like weird stuff. And I think it, it really is difficult. I actually was reading a study this morning, and it said that um, in the last six months, 10% of Christians in America have shared something with their faith with someone who doesn't have the same. So like it's, I think it's an, a challenge for us all. But again, I can't remember what percentage, but a very high percentage said we should. So there's some kind of disconnect going on. And so... Let's look at Jesus. Maybe let's like tear down some of these ideas of things we have to do in ways we have to do it that might make us, might be for some people, some types of personalities, but maybe not on some of the stuff that's being done. All right, Luke 18, 35. As he approached Jericho, so Jesus is, is heading to Jericho. That's like east, 
of Jerusalem, on West Bank now. A blind man was sitting by the road begging. So the first thing I want to point out is this, and I think this is hugely important. There's something that's in these two stories that we're going to tell that it doesn't make mention of, but I think it's vitally important for us to understand what's going on. First, it doesn't make mention of who Jesus is with. Who would you all say is probably with Jesus at this point? Especially with the context. Yeah, the disciples. That's what he did, right? It's interesting that when Jesus started his ministry, one of the first things he did was build community, right? He built community, and he was training, and he was teaching these disciples. And they would go around. Remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about what is a disciple and a rabbi, all that kind of stuff? Like, what they would do is they would go around from town to town. He would teach And guess what? Jesus and the disciples would have no place to stay because rabbis completely relied on the hospitality of other people. So that's what they're doing. And now they're heading uh, through, they're going to end up be passing through Jericho. But one thing that's really powerful and important right off the bat is that if we want to see the lost come into the kingdom, we have to be around the lost. Um, it's something that is, that, that is a challenge, and it even has been for me, and I still have a challenge. Like Because in America, we have these isolated bubbles that we go into, and we even like we become Christians, and we te- take our kids to Christian school and Christian that and that, and all that's not bad or anything, but we become in this bubble, and then we go, well, h- how many lost people are we around? And we're like, I, I don't know. I'm not really around lost people very much. And maybe why we get uncomfortable sometimes with how do we talk to them and speak to them. But Jesus' lifestyle, no, it was different. When Jesus didn't live in America. Jesus lived in a culture where there's markets and people are hanging around and they're talking and they're doing all these things all the time. We just don't. So there's a different layer. There's a, there's a challenge. But in order for us to do that, we've got to create lives of that. Lives where we're uh, not just going out for 30 minutes after church to evangelize, but lives where we're around people who do not know the Lord. And that's what Jesus was doing. So as he approaches, there's a blind man, a blind man, and he's on the road begging. I'm sure we've we've been in similar situations where we've seen people begging, right? Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. They told him. So he's like, "What's going on? Like, there's a crowd. There's something that's stirring. Obviously, Jesus's lifestyle and what he was doing, like people were intrigued. They were intrigued by what's going on, right?" Um, do our lifestyles intrigue people? Not that we purposely try to act weird and strange. Some people might say that I do that. But, I mean, and maybe I do sometimes. But does the way that we live life and follow Jesus, is it intriguing? Are you going, what's, what's the deal with that? We had that happen um, a couple times this week where, you know, a group of us guys get together and we're not doing anything special, but people asked, what's the deal with you guys? Like, there's something different about you. And uh, that's no glory to us. That's, that's, that's just the work of the Lord. But there was something different, and he wanted to know, who's passing by Jesus of Nazareth? And that intrigues him big time, because he's heard amazing things about Jesus of Nazareth. I, apparently, he's at least heard he heals people, because he starts crying out. So Jesus was known as being different. Jesus is known as being someone that brings healing to people. So he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front of him told him to keep quiet. You ever just get excited about something for the Lord and then you got the Christians that want to just settle you down a little bit? It's okay. You had a great youth event, but you'll come back down. I love it when that happens. 
Keep it. Keep keep the status quo. Don't do anything crazy. Right? We we do that. I've I've probably, I've failed in that. Hey, calm down. But he kept crying out all the more, "Son of David, have mercy on me." This guy has a need, and he, there's a need from God that he has. So like that's that's something that's vitally important. All of us. There are people all around us that have everyone. I, I'm convinced everyone has God needs in their life, whether they recognize it or not. Like seriously. The people that we're at are at our workplaces or wherever we're at, there are people they have needs. Whether it's um, they just have been struggling in their marriage, and they they may not show it. It may be that they feel absolutely alone, in as much as you know we have no idea. But they're just completely lonely. They don't have family. They don't have friends. You know, they may be struggling with alcoholism or flirting with it a little. You know, and they're just like, man, there's something wrong. They, there's there's something there. I'm convinced that we all have that. But when we find someone who has that and wants to do something about it, that's vitally important. And that's what's going on with this guy. He ha- there's something that he wants changed. There's a need in his life. He's blind. He's tired of begging on the side of the road. He wants to do something about it. And, and, and he wants to do something about it, and Jesus engages him. So there's a lot of people that have a lot of needs. But when we find those that actually want to change... That should like put up, um, I don't know, something in our lives that make us go, wow, what's going on over here? So Jesus is out in the community. This is what he does, he and his disciples. They're going and they're teaching. They're passing through. So he's made himself available. He's also of a reputation, an intriguing reputation, and he has a reputation of being someone who brings restoration. This guy's screaming, have mercy on me, son of David, and then verse 40 says, Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. So another piece to this is, y'all, is that as we're people that are out and about and as we're people that are engaging people, we also have to be willing to stop when we find those needs in people's lives. Like that's be, I have failed so much in this. In an effort to want to see a disciple-making movement take place, I like, I'll be with somebody and I think that they're on their feet a little and I'll just go on to the next person. And God's like, dude, like he's been really helping me a lot lately. Like stop, spend time, like serious time with people. Don't just move on to the next because I just want to, I want to see it. I'm so excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Jesus, and we'll see here that this guy is going to end up being with Jesus, who knows, at least a while. But he was willing to stop. He was willing to say, you know what, I'm going to stop in the middle. And think about it. Think of all the people that are following him. Think of all the people that are listening to his teaching. He had, a, he had stuff to do. You know what I mean? Like he's on his way. He's passing through. Like how many times have we been driving in our car and someone's beckoning and we're just like, dude, I got to get here. You know what I mean? Like we just kind of pass on by because we got stuff to do. Jesus loved people enough to stop. And that's another conviction in my heart for me is do I love, enough, do I love people enough to stop? To stop and stop making excuses why I have to get here, I have to get there. Sometimes we need to, but oftentimes it's just kind of an excuse. But Jesus stopped because this, this man needed healing, and he loved him enough to do this. Another thing that's really intriguing is what happens next. I love this. It says in verse 41, what do you want for me to do to you? Like a lot of us are like, duh, Jesus. You know, like, hey, he's blind. He's crying out for mercy. You know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't assume he doesn't assume things. And a lot of evangelistic tactics that we have are totally based on assumption. Have you ever had someone come in and can try to convert you to something? And you're, and, and you're just like, bro, you don't even know me. 
Like, hey, how are you doing? You're a sinner and you need Jesus and here's this or, or whatever. And you're just sitting back going, how do you even, I had a couple of Church of Christ guys coming to me. I'm sorry. When I was the minister here, and they tried to convince me when they found out I was the minister here <laughs> that I needed some change, change that I wasn't saved. So I'll just tell you, I won't tell you where they were from. Actually, I don't remember. It was in Smyrna. It wasn't Smyrna Church of Christ. It was just some guys in Smyrna at my house. So I just want to be careful that you know that. I was like, dudes, like, hey. I found that happened more than once, actually. It's kind of crazy. But it's built on assumptions. And I think that's one of the reasons we don't like it. Because it's not relational. Doesn't Jesus do everything relationally? If I just walk up to you and I try to, like, I mean, like, this is a serious deal for me to try to convince you to totally change your life and to follow this person. Sean does a really good example, analogy. He says, listen, if someone came up to you, maybe I've shared this if I have, then forgive me for the rerun. And, oh, Lord, am I getting older? Am I one of those preachers that says, forgive me for the rerun? I have some that said that, I used to hate that. Like, dude, you've said that 10 times in the last, like, year, bro. That's real, like legit. But he's like, he gives this analogy. He's like, hey, if I come up to you and I'm like, hey, I have this man or this woman and they're amazing and they do this and they do this and they are perfect for you. I'm telling you, they're just wonderful. Jared, she's so wonderful. Will you sign the wedding contract right now? I don't think anyone's going to be like, sure. I mean, maybe some people are that desperate that they would be that. Well, I mean, heck, I haven't had a look so far. Let's go. Jared, what would you do in that situation? You probably... S- <laughs> Jared knows that I can mess with him. He would say no. Jared's very picky, and I really appreciate that. I'm giving him a hug. This is one man I really respect because that man's looking for a woman that he knows that God, if, you know, all that, if the Lord wants him to get married and stuff, and he's not, he's not compromising. I, I'm telling you, more men and women need to do that. Why? Why would they not? Why would you not do it? Because you haven't been introduced to the person. You've just been introduced to ideas about the person. That's how we evangelize. We go to people, we knock on their door, we sit them at the mall, we tell people about all these ideas, but we have never introduced them to the person of Jesus. And that's why it feels weird. Guess what? If you feel awkward and weird, I'm glad it feels awkward and weird, because it is. I just want to free you. Like, I just feel like the Lord wants to free us from this mentality of, oh, man, I'm just so bad, and I want to share my faith, but I'm just not good at it, and I don't know what to do, and I want to talk to this person at my work, but I don't really know what to say. So far, all Jesus has done is asked a question and been available. <laughs> he hadn't preached the gospel to the guy. He's like, what do you want? He says, Lord, I want to see. Jesus says what? Receive your sight. Jesus is there. There's a need in Jesus. We have to let Jesus meet the people's needs. And that doesn't always mean that it means I personally meet their need. You get that, right? We are the body of Christ. Sometimes whenever I meet the need, there needs to be an opportunity for this person to see the body meeting the need, not just me meeting the need, because then I become their sugar daddy. But whenever they see us meeting the need, they go, holy smokes, there's a, not just one person that loves me, there's a community that loves me? Who are these people? I don't even know who they are. What are you laughing? Did I say something wrong? Now, even Alice and Larissa are getting tickled over here. Holy smokes. Okay, I want to make sure my button's okay. My button popped open and John had to share. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> We're going to take an take a, uh, offering around for John's new shirts after the service is over. <laughs> oh, 
I'm already. I'm. I've, what is what's happening right now? <laughs> <coughs> but he. They meet the need, and what I love is Jesus tells him, "Your faith has saved you." Instantly, he could see. Boom. And then what happened though? And he began to follow him. So Jesus doesn't just say, "Hey, here you go." I'm glad that you have met your need and I'm done. He allows this guy to follow. And we see that regularly. Now, there are certain situations, a lot around, among Gentiles, that he tells them to go and to tell their story and do different things. But Jesus, and there's specific reasons for that, but it seems like the standard is that, that Jesus is invitational. He followed him, glorifying God, all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So one more quick story um, here is verse 19, or chapter 19, sorry, this is the story of Zacchaeus. So he enters Jericho, so they pass through Jericho, he enters it. There is a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And we all know, had a, every preacher tell us how bad that is. I mean, it'd be like the, look like the IRS and come to you, and like you've done all your taxes for the year, you owe $3,000, and the gentleman or lady, or lady comes to you and goes, you owe $5,000. You're like, what? I owe $3,000. But they have the stamp of the government to extort you and decide to take $5,000, right? And now you're like, I just, I've been working so hard to figure out how to pay for this. Now there's no way I'm going to be able to pay for this, right? Maybe even have a family member who one of Zacchaeus has messed over to where they're on the brink of just not even being able to eat. But Zacchaeus is what? Rich. So for me, we're sitting around struggling, trying to, trying to make ends meet, and Zacchaeus is like, you know, in today's terms, getting boats and has a nice home and all this stuff. Who thinks they would like this guy? Like, I have, look, I say I got the love of Jesus in me. That'd be, that, I have to have that love of Jesus to love this fella. Because, I mean, seriously, he's hurting people so that he can become rich. This is what they did. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but was not able to, <clears throat> but was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Speaking of making assumptions, how many people do we assume are not spiritually hungry? That might be. How many of us would assume this guy is not spiritually hungry? He's a jerk. He, he, he. What if there's such emptiness inside Zacchaeus? There has to be. He extorts people. He has all this stuff. Man, there's times whenever I look at somebody and it's either the way they look, the way they dress, they're a position of authority. I'm a you guys get, get afraid of people if they're in a thought like, wow, that person's a CEO, you know? Or that person does X, Y, or Z, and we just make the assumption, we write them off. Dude, Zacchaeus, this wealthy guy that's extorting people, that people hate, he is hungry for God. And Jesus isn't going to write him off. Where maybe everyone else in the crowd there very well may have. I wonder what his disciples thought of whenever Jesus did this. So he goes and he climbs up a tree because he's hungry. What is going on? He's spiritually interested. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Let's go back to what I said at the beginning. Rabbis went around from town to town. That's why Jesus says, foxes have holds, birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. They relied on the hospitality people to bring in. And there's rabbinical sayings about how important it is that we bring in our rabbis and treat them well and all these things like that. That's just the style. But this is, this is almost scandalous what Jesus does right here. 
Because you would assume that a rabbi and his disciples, in fact, a a well-known at this point rabbi with his disciples, if they enter into a town, they enter in Jericho, who they would probably want to stay with someone who's, you know, known for their hospitality, a very uh, a serious God fearer or something like that. But Jesus doesn't choose to do this. I kind of tried to put this in American context as much as possible. But we all know, like, we've heard of traveling preachers and teachers and evangelists and stuff, right? Like men and women who pop around from church to church, and, like, sometimes the church just needs a boost. (laughs) And sometimes it's better whenever the preacher's not doing it, you know? That happens sometimes. And so they invite uh, these women in or these men in or whatever, and, and they're speaking. Oftentimes, whenever they do that, in American context, we usually put them up in a hotel, right? Like, we put them up in a hotel, and, um, you know, maybe we'll take them out to dinner a little bit before, possibly, maybe not. We bring them in, they preach, they go home, so forth and so on. There's the ones that get a little more crazy that say, nope, and I have friends like, I know people like this, that say, I'm not refusing to stay in a hotel because I value community. You're going to have to let me get a home for me to stay in. Anyone ever met someone like that? Like, I refuse to do that. I, I will only go if you let me have a home to stay in. And so that's pretty cool. But imagine the, the, the speaker is talking to a secretary at the church. He's like, we're going to put you in at the Ritz. Or no, I'm sorry, I won't say that. The Comfort Inn and Suites. Um, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, we have some, oh, you're one of those guys or gals. Okay, we have some families that will invite you in. No, I don't want to do that. Actually, well, what do you want to do then? Where are you going to sleep? Well, can you find the person that everyone hates the most, that's probably in the most sin that you can think of, and ask if I can stay at their house? I think that jaws would drop. That's what Jesus just did in front of everybody. Je- like, think about what I said earlier. We get in these Christian safety bubbles. <laughs> Jesus is like, send me to the drug addict and let me stay with you know, them. Let me stay in their house. And he's not talking about, let me just talk to them and have a quick dinner. He's like, I actually want to stay there. I bet everyone there was like dead gum blown away whenever he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Because they knew he was going to stay somewhere. He picks the one that everyone hates the most. And does, does Jesus preach the gospel to him? Does he say, I'm the way and the truth and the life and repent and if you pray this prayer after me and then Jesus, I'll come into your heart? Jesus just says, Jesus gives him such love, such grace and mercy that it breaks him. He's not used to that. You get that? Like that's, the more you, we're around lost people, the more we recognize, I recognize how many people are not extended this type of grace and love. They are places where they are, they are, people are using them People using it for their money, they're using it for whatever, and people just don't. I just heard it this week. People always want something from me. Like, I, talking to a guy this week said, guys, I, I, I started working out at the gym, and for two weeks I got to work out with this guy. I was so excited, and then he found out how much money I had and started asking me for money. And he's like, why? I can't make any friends that just like me for who I am. I just, everyone wants something from me. And oftentimes when we evangelize like we do, it's the same thing. We don't just love them for who they are. They rec- they, we're just trying to check one off on the box. We don't mean to be like that, but it's like that's the way we treat people. They're tired of being treated like that. People just want to be loved for who they are. And there's places where these people are going to grow, but just care for people. He's so transformed by that, he all of a sudden wants to change. In verse 6, so he quickly came down and welcomed, <clears throat> and welcomed him joyfully. 
all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. When we start being like Jesus, I mean, I've said this a hundred times, you people that are religious will complain. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's no doubt. Did you see who that, pre- that preacher went and, and spoke? He, did you see he stayed at their house? It's ridiculous. Verse 8 says, But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Lord, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus doesn't pray a prayer. Zacchaeus doesn't repent in the way we think repentance is. God, please forgive me. But he repents in the way God sees it (laughs) because he actually changes. This convicted me really bad this week for me personally. How many times I tell God, God, I repent. I'm really sorry. I'm going to turn from my ways. I feel like God said, just be like Zacchaeus and just do it. Stop telling me about it. (laughs) Like, I'm tired of hearing you tell me. we, We do that with our kids, right? Like, it wasn't like God was mad. He's like, okay, just do it. I don't need to know. I'll see it whenever it happens. He doesn't pray a prayer or anything like that, but Jesus tells him today, because of what he's done, the actions and the transformation that's going on in his heart, this man has salvation while all these people are grumbling. So let me end today by telling a really cool thing that God did this week. And I kind of hesitate to share some of these stories because please, I've heard people do this, and I don't think that I'm telling you stories thinking like, um, I'm some great person and you need to come up to where I am. I hate whenever people tell stories like that. I'll tell you a thousand failures that I've had. <laughs> you know that. I'll tell, like seriously, but I just want to stir people because because I had a, we had a Zacchaeus moment. I was sharing with John. I think I shared a little bit with um, Greg and Matt and Selena and Megan on um, Thursday night. But we had a Zacchaeus moment happen this week. So at the hookah bar, hanging out, I get there super early, and I'm just sitting there, and some guy comes out, and he's apparently super flustered. I can tell, and I'm like hey man what's up and he's like um hey man um i don't know what the i'm doing uh and i was like what do you mean and he's just like uh jay just told me to help and i just i'm not sure what to do and i'm like dude chill calm me and jay are real good friends (sighs) he just breathes a sigh of relief because he's worked up because his cousin is doing a bunch of work and he's kind of told him hey if someone comes in help him this guy didn't know what to do you know and he's just like oh my gosh what is he gonna do and he's just he's just kind of a Anyways, this is kind of his personality. Um, so we're hanging out, and we're talking, like, he sits down at one point. We're talking about cryptocurrency and all this kind of stuff. And um, at some point in the night, we're all hanging. There's probably six or seven of us hanging out. Jared was there. And he looks at Sean, my buddy Sean Steckbeck, and he says, what's with you guys? This is kind of what I was alluding to. He's like, what are you talking about? What's with us, guys? He goes, you guys just look different than, peop- than, than the people I'm around. What do you mean? He said, well, you look like a family, but I don't think you're family. And he's like, yeah, we are. We, we, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of family. And something along the lines, I don't know exactly what happened, but Jesus was brought up. Like, Sean just, you know, mentioned his name or something like that. It wasn't really a big um, deal or anything. And he says, dude, that's interesting. That is so interesting that you brought Jesus up. This is why it has nothing to do with us. This is just God. This is what's so cool. He's like, so interesting that brought Jesus up. I'm a Hindu, and I've gone to Hindu um, temples, you know, every week of my life. But I just started dating this girl, and she's a Christian. 
And we're like, that's interesting. And he said, and what's really interesting is um, in 10th grade, he had to do a paper on a literary um, work, some grand literary work, and he chose the Bible. And he said, I read that, and I thought it was really cool. And I thought, after I read it, I set it down, and I said, I think there is actually a God. You know, he's been going to Hindu temple. I don't know about any of this stuff. I believe there's a God. But what's really cool is he said, and then two weeks after that, he's, like I said, uh, kind of a nervous guy. He doesn't like to use public restrooms. And uh, he will not drink anything at school to where he didn't, so he wouldn't have to go to the bathroom ever at school. And he said he was in class, and he feels the urge to go. But he says, I don't have to go. I just feel the urge to go to the bathroom, and I don't know why. And he goes to the teacher's bathroom. He said, you know what? I'll really get in trouble there. I just, he can't go to like the students. And he, but he doesn't have to go. He's like, I just have to open this door. And he opens the door, and there's a girl in there trying to hang herself. And this actually happened. I don't want to say names because I don't want to, but it's actually here locally. And it was in the paper and all that kind of stuff. And he talked to her for like 30 or 40 minutes, and she stopped, and she didn't hang herself. And he said, I kind of made a mental note. Wow, does that seem like there's confirmation that God actually exists? Like he was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Something else happened. You know, I don't want to, you know, belabor the points. But we're sitting around here, and Sean's like, wow, what was it like whenever you read the Bible? And they talked a little bit. He's like, Would you, are you interested in that? Like learning more? See, just super casual, right? Are you interested in learning more about that? Yes, I am. Let me tell you something. You know how many people we've talked to before we get this guy right here? That's what I'll tell you. My, like, this is probably number 100 out of 99, right? Like legit, leave the 99 and go for the one. That's right, Eve. That's, I'm totally legit. Like how many times that I've sat there and gone, Lord, is anything happening? I'm just being real. I'm just out trying to just be around people and love people. That's all I'm trying to do. And God, is anyone seeing this? Is this making any kind of a difference in people's lives? I got another story that I won't tell that I, maybe later on that was really cool about that. But I mean, it is sad. So it's hard. It's hard work. God might, yeah. And so this guy, we find this guy, and he's like, yeah. And Sean's like, well, we, we, we can do one right now. We, this is, you know, what we do when we hang out. We just talk about these things. He goes, really? Really? Yeah, I would love. He said, I would love to do that. And we're all like, dude, what's going on? This is pretty awesome. <laughs> when you find someone who's spiritually hungry, he's seri- and he's serious about it, right? He's like, but, but tell me, what do, you, what, do you, what do you guys do on Sunday mornings? It's cultural. In America, he's Hindu. And he goes into a temple, but he knows Sunday mornings is special. And we're all like looking at each other, smiling, because we're all doing different things. Andy raised his hand and went, I went fishing Sunday morning. Because <laughs> we're trying to tell him, like, we are the church, we are community, like, this is what we just do, you know what I mean? And uh, he's super intrigued by that, can't quite figure that out. We do a discovery study, and we did one on um, creation. And you know what the biggest thing that he got out from that passage? There's two big things. But I think the biggest was probably God it was, did not please that man was alone. Did not please God that man was alone. He's so lonely. So lonely. That stood out to him. Um, there's some other things that he mentioned as well about that. Well, here's the Zacchaeus moment. First of all, he's like, can I be part of your family? <laughs> We're like, what's happening right now? <laughs> of course. <laughs> he said, how much does it cost? <laughs> Legit. He's like, I said, oh, just two or three hundred a month, and you can write it to me. And he's like, seriously? Like, he's pulling out his wallet. I'm like, bro, I'm kidding. He's like, I don't care. I'm serious. I'd be willing to pay it. There's something special. And we're like, dude, all right, whatever. But here's the Zacchaeus, like, cool moment is that I saw him, we saw him again on Friday night. Lord Jesus, I've been out at that hookah bar so many nights this week. My wife's, I'm getting home late. Thank you, babe. 
She knows I appreciate that. She's, and I, yeah, thank you, seriously. Um, but anyway, so he was there again Friday night, and then he says, hey, I just got to tell you guys something about what he did. I failed to mention that after everybody leaves, I go to pay for uh, my drinks and everything. I come back, and Sean and Justin are praying for him. Sean gets this, like, um, feeling in his heart. He said, hey, I just want to let you know I got this feeling. I think it's from the Lord that says you've been through a traumatic experience, and Jesus wants to bring healing to that for you. And he prays over him and all this kind of stuff. But when he comes back, he says, you know, when Sean said that, like, he was super true. That was so true. And I want to be very vague about this, um, so I can't really give you the details. But basically, he was with one of his friends. Um, There was a situation that happened. He kind of helped. He didn't do it, but he kind of helped um, provoke it. And his friend ends up getting shot and is paralyzed for the rest of his life. He actually goes to this assisted living place, and, and even though that he says I, that my friend does not want me to be there, he goes every week because he's so guilt-stricken. So he just feels so horrible about it. Well, he also, when the police came, totally lied about what happened. So after hanging out with us, no one you know, preaches the gospel. We say no sinner's prayer. We do none of that. Like He goes to the police station the next day, and he says, I just got to confess some things to you all. And literally, I, I need this. And, and they, they bring a written statement out. And he says, I lied about this. I lied about this. I lied about this. This is actually what happened. This is what happened. And he recognizes I could be in big trouble for this. And this is why I've been hiding it. Praise God. The guy said, that case is shut. Thank you. We are making notes about all that. But you're good to go. And I was just like, when he told me that story, I'm just like breaking down because I'm like, this is God. This is God at work in somebody's life. Like, literally, he's so excited. He doesn't even really know who Jesus is. He's just sort of kind of been around some people who do. And just being around Jesus a little bit has this guy, like, going and, like, putting himself in opportunity to have to go to jail because he just, and then he comes back the next night and he says, I feel so free. Like, I feel so free. I've had this guilt for years over my head. And Jesus is doing that. Jesus is doing it all, all the time. He is. That's much better, right? Like this type of stuff is much better. Now, don't forget that you have to go through a bunch of really tough stuff to get to these types of people. Larissa, oh, Lord. But when we find, when find the lost, when you go find that one, like what it says, Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and save the lost, you recognize this is worth it. It's worth it. Um, yeah. So let's, let's pray. Lord, I just, I just thank you. I mean, I, I just thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you're the, the father that Greg talked about, that welcome, welcomes the son back home um, with open arms, despite all the stuff that he did. God, we, I need a father that does that for me in my life. Lord, I did all kinds of stupid stuff, and you know it. And you know I still do stupid stuff, and you still hold me, and I just thank you for that, Father. I just pray very simply that we would allow you to do what you want to do in our lives, God, that we would be a community of people who just like go and love people wildly and see your work taking place in their lives, Father. Lord, I pray that if there's things in our lives that need to change, if, if schedules need to change or priorities need to change so that we can go into the dark places and, and see your light shine. God, I just pray that you would reveal that. And even, Spirit, even convict us this week. Give us that little that conviction that, hey, we need to make some changes so that we can go and do what you've desired us to do. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I, 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 I just say really quickly as I'm walking to my seat that um, as I began to do these things at night, it was a total change to my lifestyle. It wasn't it, babe. It was really hard. And it's even hard sometimes now, but it's, there's just changes sometimes that we have to make. I just felt like that when I was praying. And I just, that, that, God, that God's called me from being at home at every night to, to doing these things. And he's doing some really awesome stuff. So anyways, love y'all so much.